When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be along with you. Glad to have you. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. That is also Matthew directing the program. We are close. We are really close to the start of the season. You can feel it. It's in the air. A little buzz, a little, little feeling, a little, little tickle, if you will. A reason to uh, get pumped up uh, about not only what we're going to see for Florida State, but just the start of another campaign. You know, the more that we talk college football and the more we talk about anything, whether it's the starting quarterback at Florida State or we talk about the games and the atmosphere that's going to be uh, on that Sunday night against Notre Dame, uh, the more I do some stuff, not only for War Chant, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, but also college sports book, which we're now doing, and break down games. The next one I've got to, to look at from a from a gambling angle, at least that show, uh, is the is the Georgia Clemson game. Just the more I'm reminded of how much I love college football and how knock on wood, how desperate we all are to get a, a season, like a normal season that feels right, like you can go into the game and feel good about it and cheer your head off and watch your team and watch all of these games and be with people, like-minded people who love the game the way that you love the game and are passionate about it. Yeah, the, the central theme on this show over the years, of course, rightfully so, it's Tallahassee has been Florida State, but in truth, we celebrate everything that's football. Like today... You know, you might have seen across your individual tickers on your phone, whatever you have turned on for notifications, whatever it might be. I presume a lot of you are like me. You uh, you limit those, but there are those that make their way through, and usually they involve your passion. And in this case, if you're listening to this show, your passion is sports. Uh, it's at least one of them. And so, you know, little things that just kind of pop up, and you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. So not surprisingly, for example, Jacksonville and Urban Meyer have – tabbed Trevor Lawrence to be the starting quarterback and made that announcement official today, whereas Chicago announced that uh, the Red Rocket is going to start week one for the Bears. And I thought both fan bases um, would be interested in that news, but there would be very different reactions to that news, right? If you're in Chicago, you think, why? Why are we starting Andy Dalton? He's not going to do anything for us. What are we doing? Let's just commence with the getting here. We know the deal. Justin Fields is going to be the guy. We'll take the good with the bad. Let's just go. Let's start the maturation process. Now, there's nuance to that. There's more debate to that. It doesn't have to be that. But whereas Jacksonville, they've watched a bunch of football and seen very little scoring so far in preseason. In fact, they've seen a whole lot of nothing when it comes to scoring from their starters. Uh, but it hasn't really mattered if it was Minshew or Trevor Lawrence. What they've seen is the uncertainty of Urban Meyer, the grand experiment of him in the NFL, and also, man, Jags fans, as I used to call Jacksonville the butts, uh, just not a lot to look forward to, especially with the 
devastating news that ATN is now out for the year. I hate that for that young man. And I actually hate that for Jacksonville fans. That's not cool. I mean, it's, it's more fun to poke fun at each other when teams that are at full strength suck as bad as Jacksonville is going to suck, as opposed to losing uh, one of the most electrifying players we've seen in the ACC and in college football, frankly, over the last number of years. So I hated that news. But the point would be, again, as these things start to come in, as you get these announcements and you get the, well, you think about this week, for example, with uh, Mac Jones in New England getting all of the first team reps because Cam's out for five days. You start wondering, is that another spot where a young quarterback's going to get tabbed to start the season as the number one guy? We are entering into an, a really exciting era because Tom and I have talked about this before, but you know, through the years, uh, we kept waiting for that next wave, that next great wave. And there have been guys that have emerged without question. Patrick Mahomes obviously comes to mind. There have been guys that emerged and became uh, elite players, and they entered into that upper echelon, that pantheon of great, pretty quickly. Uh, it looked like for a time there, certainly, uh, that uh, you know Deshaun Watson was going to continue to move down that path. Now, there's been an interruption to that. Uh, and I say an interruption as if it wasn't caused by him. But the point would be, you, you have this, because uh, it, it was, uh, you, you have this situation now where that's stalled. But this group, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, Mac Jones, this, this is, it's exciting. This feels like you've got another big group emerging here to go along with a guy who's been working his way up. I don't know if I trust Baker Mayfield to, to stay amongst the elite or just outside of it, but he's certainly in the conversation because Cleveland's pretty damn good and he's done a good job in a short period of time with a desperate organization. So I give them credit. They're an odds on favor with that offensive line, certainly, to be a very good offense this year. Do you think Urban Meyer is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars next season, or do you think he wants to spend more time with his family after they start 1-5 or 1-6? So you're worried that he's going to find a health problem or loneliness or both Yes. you walk away from Jacksonville? The way that thing looks, can he handle that? I think the, the stat that I heard on Monday Night Football was he's lost like nine games since his time at Ohio State. He's going to lose 12 this year bare minimum. Well, I'll tell you something that's interesting. Before this before preseason began, before camps opened up, I spent time kind of for for obvious reasons trying to figure out if you would what what amounts to a power rating for the NFL teams. And everybody's got their own way of kind of doing that. I'm not going to lie and tell you that I sat here and devised a power rating for every single NFL team. But what I did do was I took all of the various power ratings, and, and there are outlets with tons of them, whether they're gambling websites or not, and kind of comprised those and then averaged them and then took a good look at what was the consensus. Uh, and it was thought to be, without question, that Houston, the Texans, would be the worst team in football this year. But I think Jacksonville is is very close to unquestionably being the worst team in football this year, even with Trevor Lawrence. I, I That game against Houston right out the gates is a very big game for Jacksonville. Oh, sure. It's yeah. a very big game for Jacksonville because from there, and I know it's the NFL, and there's an extra game this year, you get 17 of them. It's hard to find wins on that Jacksonville schedule if you don't pencil in the win against the Texans that I thought they could get early. It looks like their offensive philosophy is one yard in a cloud of dust, third and eight, good luck, Trevor Lawrence. That's what it looks like. You want to call it between the tackles. All right, sounds good. 
Your offensive line's not good. Let's just go with that. Perhaps it's part of Urban's master plan to get another top three pick, and they're just going to tank with Trevor. But uh, I this, don't know. This here, here's the deal. Uh, he's not. He didn't go to Jacksonville to tank. Uh, he doesn't have the patience for it, as you just alluded to. They're just not good. They just don't have talent. They, they suck. Uh, and it's an abysmal offensive line. There's not a lot to hang their hat on. The reason you were excited at all as a Jacksonville fan was you were kind of turning the corner with a guy who had a track record of success in college, certainly, a guy that could put together an organization. And typically speaking, uh, if you are sort of a CEO type and you understand leadership and you understand from the top down how to build an organization, he's done it everywhere from Utah to Florida to Ohio State. Now there have been any number of missteps along the way and oversights, but there's no denying the success rate. There's no denying that. So that's not easy to do. Not everybody has that Midas touch. Not everybody can do that, can come into an organization or a place where perhaps it's down at the time or, in the case of Utah, hadn't really sustained any success, you know, and, and build that and build it relatively quickly as he has everywhere he's been. And so if you're Jacksonville, I would imagine what you hung your hat on was, I'd like to believe that he can translate from the college ranks that sort of leadership ability, that organizational building talent, to the professional level. And we're going to get the first pick. We're going to get Trevor Lawrence, who unquestionably has the tools to be good. We'll see if, he, if it translates. And then you get ATN, and we all got to see him, so at least locally everybody knows who that guy is and how dynamic he was. And you think, okay, it's not going to be a good football team this year, but we're, we're starting to put together some pieces, and we'll – like Florida State fans, Jacksonville fans are going to have to be along for the climb. They don't suspect that in year one they're going to be any good, maybe not even year two. By year three, year four, you start to think there'll be tangible steps forward. So I can't fathom that Urban Meyer would take that job and look at that roster and assess where they are and think that this is going to be anything other than uh, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, get to work, try to change the culture, engender some success and some, some confidence that comes with it, I should say, and, and then see if we can't really groom this kid to be really good at the most important position on the field by year two or three. Because that, that's what you're working towards at this point. I sense a Sanford and Son by Christmas. That would be my guess. <laughs> Here comes the big one. I don't know that he can stand it. I don't think he can. I think he's arrogant enough to think that he could win, you know, close to seven or eight games in his first year. And when that realization by the end of this upcoming month hits him that, oh, God, we'll be lucky to win four, I think at that point, here comes the big one, right around Christmas. Uh, in year one? I, I can't fathom. In yes, year one? for as great of a coach as he is at the collegiate level, mm -hmm. across the board, like that is indisputable. It is. He still is the candidate. He's the personality type yeah, who yeah, can't yeah. handle it. He's going to take his ball and go home and get paid by Fox to be a lead analyst or something. I, I suppose. I do think that he would incur some real humiliation here. And the Lord knows he doesn't need the money or anything like that. So it's not as if he would cry himself to sleep because he was being slandered on the interwebs. But I would say that your reputation would long-term take a real shot when you, after taking that job, announced to the world how committed you were to the owner for taking the chance on you, quote-unquote, and and how invested you were in this rebuild. Like, he understood it was going to be a long haul. Like, you know, it's it's not quite the same, but some, somewhat the same as, as, say, Jimmy Johnson taking over the Cowboys and going 1-15 after having been the head coach at Miami, uh, the Canes, that is. I mean, that's a, that's a toughie. That's a hard thing to take, but you kind of understand what you're in for. Sure, but he's taken some major hits to his reputation before and was indignant about it. You know, 
Remember the press conference well, that he sure. had at Ohio well, he was State? Where that he had he, to be there. That's correct. And then Rinaldi skewered him for ten minutes, but then was a best friend again. You know, two weeks later. But <laughs> according to the report, Urban, <laughs> according to the report, and it's like it never happened. So it might be a hit to his reputation, but he's taken worse. The point is, I would say, uh, a, I'm not all that concerned or worried about Jacksonville, nor are any of the teams that will be playing them. Uh, and I would also say that this began with another wake up this morning, a day closer to college football beginning, and a smile on my face as updates came to the phone, letting us all know that basically from now through February, this is the kind of good news on a daily basis you're going to get. And I don't mean everything always has to be good news. I just mean football news in general, whether it's a setback for a team or unfortunately an injury for another or a success for a player or a rookie that's emerging, whatever it might be, is always good to have a conversation about, is always good for your soul. Hey, Denver went with the bridge. Just before yeah. we came on the air, they named the bridge the starting quarterback. There I you go. I couldn't believe I, there was in the off season before he committed to before Denver brought him in. You could have you could have laid some potato chips on where Bridgewater would have ended up, and the odds were so overwhelmingly in your favor if you had bet Denver. It's crazy. I mean, it changed not long after. Uh, the, the the first posting of those odds came up because people were like what thirty five to one okay don't mind if I do they went because people were were I think people in the know realized Aaron Rodgers wasn't going anywhere one of two things was going to happen with Aaron Rodgers he was either going to quit football and say screw it I'm out I hate you guys that much or he was going to play for Green Bay this idea of ever going anywhere else because Green Bay held the cards was never going to happen. So if you had that kind of confidence and understanding that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to Denver, what's going to be the next play? What's going to be who, – who are they going to hang their hat on? Then you could have jumped on that and been like, well, Teddy's going to win that job. He's going to win that job. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but you knew that Rodgers was – the two options that you talked about were going to be the eventual options, walking away from football or Green Bay after Green Bay turned down the Raiders. Given what the Raiders organization does, which is overpay for everything, always, yes. overdraft, overpay, everything is, is way over the top. Yeah. I'm sure the offer that Green Bay got from Vegas was absurd. And when they said no to that offer, there's no way that John Elway could beat it. But that's still an interesting team this year with Jerry Judy and Javante Williams. I like the pieces they have. Yeah. I, and Teddy will play well. Yeah. Teddy will play well. He's, he's a professional. He's, yeah, a he's a pro. A, he's a pro. He, he's, you know. You don't go into that stadium going, thank God we got Teddy. Nobody does that. But you also aren't like, oh, man, another game with Teddy? Do no, you, you're not doing that. Do you buy the renaissance from Big Ben? He's uh, thinner. It looks like his arm is, is tuned up, ready to okay, go. Okay, so the only thing I cared about watching that preseason game against Detroit that I watched was, was the arm strength there or was he still checking down left and right? Because – it almost hurts my heart to see Ben Roethlisberger checking down. I mean, that's not who that guy. And, oh, listen, I'm not losing sleep for him. I don't mean like, oh, poor Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, from a football standpoint, there are guys who challenge down the field, and that's who they are. And they've got a cannon, and they're big, strong guys. Like, tell me, for everybody who watched, we didn't get a chance to get into this yesterday because we were doing some of the headlines, but I, the absurdity of people actually believing that there was any competition whatsoever between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill uh, was exactly that. Insane. Taysom Hill can't play. 
Jameis Winston makes way too many mistakes but can really play. And it was always obvious, right? Record-settingly so. So this idea that those two were going to compete for the job was nonsense. And I get what the head coach says. doesn't matter. That's just posturing. That's just to placate Taysom's ego or whatever it might be. Maybe even teammates. I don't know. But when we saw on display Jameis just dealing like he's fully capable of and just dropping dimes down the field, I care nothing about New Orleans. I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. I was so glad to beat them in the playoffs last year and to send Drew Brees off into the sunset with a loss and knowing that in year one Tom Brady would have as many rings uh, with the, in the NFC as Drew Brees does for a career. That made me laugh. I still think it's funny. It's great. Ha ha, suck it. Now, what I will say about that is it also warmed my heart to see New Orleans throw the forward pass beyond 25 yards for the first time in years. Goodness gracious, that wasn't a trick play or some doofus-looking thing. But knowing what we know about Jameis, he likes Callaway. He trusts him. Oh, well, wouldn't you? Did you see those catches? Yeah. That's impressive, though. That's but those somebody balls who... were dropped on a dime. Yeah, That's well, down the field. Hey stretch. <laughs> <laughs> they were. So, the sideline pass was better than the deep post. The sideline, the second touchdown, that oh, was, that's absurd. That's absurd. Yeah. That's in there. That's always oh, been in always. there. And yeah. Taysom Hill doesn't have that. So no. this was not a real competition, but it made me, it made me laugh. I'm like, what are we talking about? Now, oh. listen. Now, don't get me wrong, though. I'm not telling you that. The bad Jameis won't show up, too. We, we've seen it. We know there's great Jameis, like right. elite-level top-five quarterback in the league Jameis, and there's, oh, my God, Jameis is going to personally lose this game, Jameis. That, that's, that, that exists. He's Jekyll and Hyde. So I know you already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway in somewhat a rhetorical way. Do you think Drew Brees knows where the camera is? <laughs> Do you think Drew Brees knows where the camera is at all times? Yeah. You know, like that hype-up stuff that he does on the mm. field before but the game. He's he, no longer playing, Tom. Right, right, but he could have done that in the locker room. But he knows he knows where the cameras are. Right, right, sure. the, the reason I bring that up, at the conclusion of the New Orleans loss to Tampa Bay in the playoffs last year, in which Jameis Winston threw a touchdown pass, but not Drew Brees. On a trick play, yes. Right, but, but he was the one who threw it. Sure. Jameis did. Drew went and found Jameis before all the cameras because he knows the speculation, the, the shots are going to be on him because is this his final moment? And he is patting Jameis on the chest plate and, and pointing at him, saying, it's your time. He's not going to Taysom Hill in doing that. He went to Jameis to do that. They knew. They knew last year, as long as they could get Jameis re-signed, he was going to be the starter. Period. Well, how could you not? You saw him every day in practice. You know that he's the, the requisite arm strength, the ability to stretch the field, to challenge the entirety of the field. It's there. It, we, we forget sometimes. I, think, I, I don't know that we do especially not locally for those of us that watched him at Florida State. And then if you're also a Bucks fan and you saw every one of his starts in Tampa. This is a Jimbo people don't realize thing. But yeah. It is a yeah. people don't realize thing because there were a lot of factors that, and some of it 100% was his fault, but not all of it. You know, some of those things, some of the immaturity moments that we've talked about before, uh, some, of the, some of the things that were off-putting to his teammates. Okay, those things, we've talked about that, right? We also talked about some of the problems that were created because he was repeatedly told, don't worry about the interceptions. We want you to challenge down the field. Don't You go out and just play. You just play. We'll worry about the other stuff. And, and you and I talked about this at the time. I was saying, uh, that's not a good idea. 
because they're going to hold you responsible for those interceptions while you're learning a new offense. And while, more importantly, your receivers are learning a new offense. And I was betting that Jameis knew that offense more than they did. I think that is abundantly clear. What we know that because of his time here and what a quick learner he is. And, and to, to some degree, when it comes to offensive football, a savant understanding yeah. the X's and O's, as told to us by Jimbo Fisher. Well, also, it's not an easy offense to learn if you're just talking about the most recent one with Bruce Arians because Brady didn't know it. So, yeah, he struggled with it, too. He openly admits that yeah. he didn't know the offense until December and not even really then. This yeah. is his first year knowing the offense. Yeah, so I, I just, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be a weird year in New Orleans for them, but just the point would be that was never a real competition. Jameis will have a good year. I don't know if he'll have a great year because the weapons aren't necessarily there, uh, and he's got to be careful because his desire is going to be to push the ball down the field, and Peyton will feel like he's playing with a new toy because right, right. he hasn't been able to do that. And kill a tight end on third and seven. Well. <laughs> That's also going to be in the cards. And miss the linebacker to his left, which is still standing there, I promise you. He's still there. Don't – oh, you did it again. (laughs) He's still there, Javis. He's still there. Mike Norvell addressed the media after practice today. You'll hear audio from him next. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply tom you should know matthew knows that's what he opened with in saint augustine the same at Moon Crush over on the uh, yep. Destin Miramar Beach area. I thought this is a good opener. Oh yeah, it's a solid opener. Throw it down. Yeah, well, you got a lot of time. You got space. You can let it breathe. You can you can do a lot of things with that. So that that's a good thing. Uh, I mentioned before the break, Jeff Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio. Great to be with you. And a fine balls McWednesday to you and yours. There we go. It's there. Mm. Good old balls McWednesday. And then we get an opportunity uh, tomorrow. Myself and Corey Clark will be driving over to Pensacola right after the show. Going to talk to the Seminole Club there. Looking forward to it. Should be nice. Further adding to the to the juices that are flowing. The enthusiasm. Signals the beginning. You usually do the speaking circuit. I'm sure I once do. you know we fully chase COVID as much as possible. Also, apologies for the sniffles today, everybody. But uh, that is always something that you feel energized by when you get to talk to Knowles before the season. The final check. You know, I had to supplant the old way of doing things, which was, uh, you know, my trip over to Borders or a bookstore near you, in which uh, I would, you know, gather up the magazines, grab several cups of Joe and relax in the corner and read and highlight and ready myself for the upcoming season. Of course, unfortunately, most bookstores seemingly went the way of the dodo. And uh, I can't do that as much anymore. So one of the things and, and also a secondary check that is no longer on the list of things to ready yourself for the season was the release, and this has been years now, of NCAA football on the uh, PS4 
four and five. It's uh, three and two. Three and two back in the day. Yeah. So, you know, that disheartening and saddening. Uh, but but uh, one of the things that did replace it as the show emerged and got more popular and we garnered more listeners and we became more entrenched uh, was uh, invites to speak to fellow Seminoles about the upcoming season and do Q&As and, and all that good stuff. So uh, I appreciate that. It's always fun. Um, and I And I do think that honestly, you know, having those conversations, whether somebody deems that to be overly negative with the outlook of six and six that I gave or too optimistic or somewhere in between, it's still, it's cathartic. Everybody feels good about that. Uh, speaking of which, this cracks me up. Uh, Ryan, you're correct, but he's not afraid, and I will give him credit for that day in and day out. Our friend at Warchant.com, Aslan, is going to persist and asking the head football coach about the quarterback position. Ryan writes, uh, Jeff and Tom need to tell Aslan to lay off the QB1 questions to Norvell. He's going to go Grand Torino. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I, I think those questions will persist, and I think the look... Um, I think the look on Norvell's face will continue to be that of uh, a man who has to take a deep breath before answering. A disgruntled sort of, okay, another one. It's similar to yesterday's At question. least today, though, he couched it and said, internally, are you going to make a choice? Like, inter- <laughs> you know, internally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you going to have any idea before the ball is snapped who your quarterback is? What kind of? Qu- I love you, Aslan, but what kind of question is Yes, I think they'll know who their quarterback's going to be. It's going to be both. Uh, it's well, a boring answer, but it's going to be both. Maybe. They'll both play. You don't you, think so? I, is McKenzie avail, available to play? Listen, they feel very good about everybody <laughs> I mean, they started I, with, you know, camp with. Mm. They feel very good about those guys. All right. So um, here you go. Let's let's hear Mike Norvell today talking about McKenzie since that came up. Here you go. He's doing well, you know. Um, you know, at, at this time, you know, we're we're still uh, going through our process of of evaluating where things are, um, you know, for the for the competition here in, in week one. And uh, you know, McKenzie, um, you know, he's he's uh, we, we've had a very specific plan for him on what we want to see and what we want to do. And um, you know, once again, we have uh, all all intent and purposes that uh, you know each person that's practicing, not just McKenzie, but uh, um, you know all the quarterbacks. And you know, we feel very health or very good about our health and availability for week one. But pretty remarkable. Just the things that he's that he's been able to do, you know, coming off of uh, off that injury here, here a few years back, and you know, excited about uh, you know what this year is going to be for him. And then this is Mike Norvell uh, when asked about the quarterbacks again, he brought up uh, Chubba Purdy. And it's it's been night and day, you know, and that's the thing. I know I've mentioned this a few times during throughout fall camp. Um, you know, Chubba missed so much practice time, and uh, you know, really, I think he had three weeks last fall um, that he was available to even practice. You know, you look at spring. He had had a couple of practices that, uh, uh, as we went into it, so this is the most extensive practice that he's had. And you know, each day he's getting better. You know, there's still things that he's got to clean up and you know become more confident in. Uh, but each rep matters. And we've had a we've had a uh, I think a great plan. Um, you know, in how we're developing him and Tate and, and giving them opportunities to work with the first group and and giving them opportunities to to uh, uh, to show that growth. And uh, you know, excited about what their futures are. Well. Let me just say this. I think that's an important bit of news and progress. Um, I, I think that there was serious doubt when camp started as to what we would think about Chubba Purdy's place on the quarterback depth chart, primarily because he had at least two guys in front of him, 
okay, and Mackenzie Milton and Jordan Travis. And then, of course, anybody that went through what he went through with the initial injury, the surgery, the setback, and the frustration, as I've talked about, that would would prolong the time away from the team and the reps – that you weren't getting. Again, he he. This is a guy that missed a ton of practice, who went home to get right mentally and physically. Right, all of that. And we've talked to him about it. He's answered those questions. We brought it up on the show before. But it's not as if that wasn't a guy we were all really excited about when he committed to Florida State. When we, when Florida State was able to beat out Louisville for his ser- services, that felt like a big win. That felt like, oh, you're getting a guy with some real talent because we've seen his brother play and all of that. And you thought, okay, so, you know, it's been a while since we had a real good quarterback in Tallahassee. And that felt like maybe we had gotten a guy who was a candidate to emerge as a, a, a solid to, to good starting quarterback. I don't think anybody, you know, tabbed him to be the next Jameis Winston, but he certainly looked like, in terms of prospects, a guy that had a chance to be a pretty good starting quarterback, maybe even very good starting quarterback in the ACC. And so when it went so terribly wrong, just again, due to unforeseen circumstances, football's a physical game, things happen, guys get hurt. His skill set is such that you, you know, you kind of have to let him run around, especially if you're going to try to get him playing time early. I know that's been debated and people uh, lament in hindsight that they did that because it did lead to an injury. But the point would be, I think in the last year there was a real thought that, man, this went so terribly wrong and off the rails so early for that guy. In the day and age in which lesser transgressions or things that affect the mental well-being of a player are enough to make them transfer, you thought, I don't know what chance we have Given now that Mackenzie Milton has come in and Jordan Travis emerged as the starter and even Tate Rodemaker plays pretty well in practice, you know, kind of the thought was, I don't know, maybe maybe this guy's so buried and frustrated by who he was and what he was thought to be and what's actually transpired here, I'm not sure he's going to be here. I mean, that was a very steadfast talking point on the boards amongst all of us that cover the team. We all kind of venture to guess. You think that kid will be here a year from now, two years from now? And who knows? We don't know what the future holds. There's still a lot to play out. But the mere fact that that guy has had a good camp and for whatever reason he has more opportunities than we probably would have expected um, in the way that the, the load management with McKenzie Milton, he's getting extra reps then. He's thrown into the mix. And that the fact that he's taken – that seriously and 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 really worked hard on his game and committed and that we're seeing noticeable growth to the point where they talk about it's night and day in performance that's a that's that's a huge plus uh you want each of these segment groups to be as competitive and deep as possible one of the things that has us all kind of wringing the hands a little bit as you come into this season when you when you look at the better teams in the country and Florida State's not one of the better teams in the country one of the things that you notice invariably is as you do the season outline and you look, you know, maybe you check schedules, you check who their quarterback is, you look what they lost and what they've got coming back. Invariably, one of the things that comes to mind is that, man, they've got a lot of depth here. Oh, they got a lot of skill here. Oh, man, they're, that, that offensive line, eight deep. Like if you look at Georgia, you're like, oh, my God, it's just one wave after the other, a talent. When you look at Clemson's defensive line, those four guys across the front are some of the best in the country. They all came back. Great. You know, we can't really do that. 
But you're seeing where they're creating the competition in these segments, and this is one in the most important positions at quarterback. It's huge. Well, Mike's telling you it's year one for him. Last year was year zero for Chubba Purdy because he wasn't able to practice with any regularity. Spring as well. Like so this is his chance finally. Um, you know, COVID gets you a free year. This is almost like his true freshman campaign. And I can say, speaking generally from what I saw last year and then also in camp this season, is when Chubba has less to think about. The talent's there, the arm talent and the hand talent. It's just, you know, if you've got routine plays in the pocket, maybe it's not as consistent as when he's rolling out and on the move. I, I think that's the thing that's going to ha- come with time and when the game slows down for him. But Mike is saying, listen, he's had a really good camp. He's making the most of his opportunities. But remember that this is pretty much his first real camp as a as a quarterback here at Florida State. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know what? He's... You know, it's not maybe not ideal in my assessment that the, your third string quarterback would be getting as many reps as he's getting. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He had to get them, and he's getting them, and he's making the most of them. And he's got potential. It's not like you know, right. it's a it's a walk on that you're like, I don't even know what to do here. It's the summer of more life at Orange Theory Fitness here in Tallahassee and really across the country. But since you guys are likely living here, you want to make your way over there. Maybe you want to figure out what it's all about. Your first class is always free. And by the way, August 1st, which is in the rear view, obviously, but through September the 30th, uh, new members get a month free with the purchase of a heart rate monitor. Also, if you refer a friend or upgrade in uh, either this month or August uh, or September, uh, you get a discounted membership price over the next three months. And oh, by the way, if you're an existing member, uh, say a premier member, and you get some folks to come on in, then you'll receive $50 off over the next three months. That's $150 in saving. It's the uh, summer of more life. Orange Theory Fitness, contact them to learn more, 850-895-9683. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV returns in a moment. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Don't forget to like and subscribe tonight at 6.30 p.m. on War Chant TV. Corey Clark. Aslan Hajavedi are live for Wake Up War Chant. If you want to tune in and ask questions, they can live chat beginning at 6.30 on War Chant TV. The uh, college football hot seat, as written by Adam Rittenberg before the season, is uh, out now. You want to see if we agree on these? Because um, I'll take issue with a couple of them. I think there's, I don't know, I, I guess if you're thinking about hot seats, you got to think about a guy that has failed to produce at, at at a clip that the school's expectations are met, uh, meaning how rabid is the fan base and what are the expectations based on cachet and history. But then also you got to look at places where you'd say, yeah, it hasn't achieved anything in three years, but what direction are they going to go if they keep starting over? So you weigh these things. For example, Clay Helton in the Pac-12, to me, at USC, is under a much larger microscope this year than, say, Chip Kelly, who you might also put on the hot seat since UCLA has sucked since he got there. But they also sucked before he got there to high heaven. And there are, real, there are real signs that Chip Kelly's got UCLA finally moving in the right direction. I actually think their offense is going to be fun to watch this year. So, to me, Clay Helton in the Pac-12 is the, is the greater choice of hot seat. I would also note, given that I think he's somewhat insane and – that there appears to be real chaos behind the scenes at Arizona State, you may want to circle Herm Edwards. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that seems to be falling apart really fast. Plus, they were, yeah, you've got NCAA stuff, you've got... That's what I mean. I'm sure he's a headache and a half. I just if I'm an administrator, well, I think that matters when it comes yeah. to 50-50. Look at the, uh, the swamp donkey situation. The moment <laughs> that they found an excuse to get rid of that guy, they were like, <laughs> done. He was lying about death threats. Uh, that, that's a toughie. 
That's a toughie. Yeah, but if that was Urban Meyer, they would have been like, ah, oh, just par for the course. Let's move along well, here. Yes, winning a national championship or two buys an awful lot. Well, he was winning SEC East titles every it buy, year. It buys you goodwill, man, those those championships. Uh, Herm Edwards seems to me like somebody, if, if you've got a reason, you just move the hell on. This experiment has come and gone. It's had its time. Okay, Big Ten, Jim Harbaugh, maybe they restructured his contract. He should be, but then again, I don't know. It kind of feels like he's almost got a lifetime deal. What's happened to Michigan? They just don't even care. Scott Frost at Nebraska, I don't know that they can afford to keep starting over. I'd keep his sorry ass. I mean, look, we know he can coach. I don't know why they can't do anything there other than it's got to be recruiting because nobody wants to live in Nebraska, and it's hard to get players to go there, and they lost on the reputation years ago. So Scott Frost, maybe if it's a disaster, like if you come out the gates and lose to Illinois, and it all goes south from there. It certainly is possible. It's entirely the, possible. The spreads a touchdown, to yeah. Yeah, they could lose to Illinois. Uh, I actually the, the who was it Preston that told us Illinois was the play? They've got uh, how many starters back? Well, I did sixteen. They're Illinois starters, Preston. Who cares? Uh, one <laughs> thing I would tell you. One thing I would tell you is that uh, and and listen, Illinois pasted Nebraska at Nebraska. I mean, it's not like <laughs> that. Nebraska's been bad. They've been bad. But I actually think Nebraska. I'm going to pick Nebraska. The public loves Illinois in that game. By the way, uh, in the ACC, oddly. There's no question you've got to put Dino Babers uh, directly. I mean, just think oh, about how yeah. it was just, what, two years ago? Dino was puffing his chest out when we were at uh, ACC kickoff? He was and he wasn't because he was saying, strange. you know, you didn't strange. vote for me on the ticket. Well, I didn't no. vote, so first of all. I would uh, have said, no, I didn't. That's fine. There was no indicators that you were going to get it turned around because your team has sucked since you arrived. Right, but then he was... Then uh, he had one good year. He was downplaying the trip to Tallahassee. Now, going to Tallahassee, you know, uh, early in the season, I don't know about all that. It's like, oh, so wait a minute, you're the big bad Syracuse and you've got a roadie down in Tally and you think you have no chance after that disaster of a season we just had the year prior? That told me all I needed to know about where things were with Dino. There's no certainty in the world, man, of college football. It's amazing how this works, and I'll tell you why. Justin Fuente is on the hot seat at Virginia Tech. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, Tom, they've had two losing seasons in the last three years. People don't realize. Here's what people don't realize. Virginia Tech. Oh, I realize. Uh, they're not winning games. I thought he'd turn that thing around and they would be a consistent 9-10 well, to 10 win program. His and it's first just... year there, you're like, oh, well, that was a good hire. No, they should set the over-under not at 9.5 for wins. It should be for players run off by the end of a season. The attrition that they have with players being dismissed every year is more than curious. At some point, it's on you, the coach, and not the kid. But we'll see. I uh, Justin Fuente is on the hot seat. And, oh, by the way... Because of the uh, dalliance with others in the offseason, keep a close eye on Scott Satterfield at Louisville. That looked like he was going to be removed in the summer. I mean, that was a weird deal right Back last spring, I guess. Uh, Per Rittenberg, the Big 12, he wrote Matt Wells. I wrote, who cares? The SEC we go to, and I would put this in the category of keep a close eye. I've got two fingers to my eyes and two fingers back to you, Ed Orgeron. Mr. Lightning in a bottle. Boy Wonder at the offensive coordinator now in the NFL. Quarterback who had a transcendent season. I'm not buying. I'm not, I don't know. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently he's a handful there, too. So well, if, if they can have a reason, think, they might say. Maybe the shoe game was not. A, <laughs> they're like, oh, we're happy to beat Florida. Yeah. But, uh, okay, great. You know, it's funny, too, when you get into these other conferences, like you're um, – you know, you forget where people are. Guys whose stock was rising at one point, then for whatever reason it got der- derailed, they end up somewhere else. You never hear of them again. 
I can still remember when people wanted Rick Stockstill to come here to Florida State. Did you know Rick Stockstill's at North Texas? I did not. Or Middle Tennessee, I should say. Sorry, he's at Middle Tennessee. Okay. That's why he didn't know, because he's not. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. He's not. Yeah, he's the mean green guy. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, old Rick is there in North Texas. Uh, no, I've got it right. He's, Rick Stocks was at Middle Tennessee. I had that right. Seth is the n- mean green guy. Okay, I got it right. Never mind. Seth Stockstill? No, no. Oh. Seth, no. Seth Littrell. Okay. I thought you knew when I said Seth. Seth, Seth Stockstill <laughs> would be a hell. Like, that's impossible to say five times fast. VIP pass. Uh, Super so- favor VIP pass. <laughs> I can still do that. I still got that with these uh, nostrils. Uh, probably do a good Coach K today. I'm not going to go through the others just because nobody cares who's on the hot seat of the Sun Belt. Better get it together, Chip Lindsay. Yeah, we're not doing that. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. What about Dan Mullen, Jeff, when they go 8-4? and four? No, you know what's funny about the Dan Mullen question? Since we were talking about coaching records and which coaches are on a hot seat or not, kind of a fun topic for everybody. Everybody likes to debate the validity of certain coaches and hot seat status and who's a good coach, who's not. Who does more with less, all that good stuff? Who does less with more? Uh, you know, it gets me to think about two things. First of all, Daryl, I think um, I think Florida will take a step back because losing Kyle Trask is a biz- big loss. Uh, but I also think Florida will play better defense, certainly, than they did a year ago. A lot of people will. They'll have to. Yeah, they'll have to. Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony. That's that's yeah, big huge. Losses. Yeah, big losses. They'll take a step back. Georgia's going to win the East. Uh, but the thing is, I would tell you that Florida could go 10-2 and two and your boy Dan may be on the hot seat anyhow because they don't like him. There's no questioning his ability to coach and game plan. He does that exceptionally well. He's a very good offensive mind. Uh, and he gets the most out of whatever style of quarterback he has on the roster. He really does. He's, there's no getting around that acumen. He's very good. But he's a doofus. And he's, he says dumb things on the regular, and it makes them cringe. And, you know, I mean, I feel like he can't get out of his own way sometimes. For as much as that coaching acumen is in place, uh, he still does things off the field that makes Florida's uh, elite, if you will, the Bull Gators, kind of recoil a little bit. So he's always one step away from being told, man, I'm about done with you. Well, and there was a foray with the NFL this offseason oh, yeah. that pisses openly. them off. Yeah. Yes, openly. And and for those people who are new to the program, you have some bull gators on, on the dial that you can call and see you know how things are going yeah. in the program yeah. and, and what they perceive certain players to be, recruiting classes, uh, are there new projects. I remember you were talking to them a lot about are they ever going to get an IPF years ago? They finally mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in those conversations with those people that you talk to down in Gainesville, Mullen's approval rating within the money community of, of Florida football is not that great, right? Right. Those people tend to be educated, and they make and he makes them uncomfortable for a lot of reasons. Uh, it would, it, it's something to point out here, by the way, uh, and, and this is kind of interesting. It, well, and I don't, I'm almost reluctant to bring it up. I know we've got to go to break soon, but Greg writes, anything on injuries at FSU – you know one of the reasons that I have not come on the airwaves and updated you on these? Um, we haven't, quote-unquote, had very many. I don't like to talk about this. I feel yeah. like I'm introducing it to the ether there. And the he football. said it today, too. Mike did in his 11 minutes. We so. just haven't had it. So, Greg, uh, the reason I haven't brought it up, and you weren't questioning why I haven't brought it up, but you, you asked that question, and I'm like, I really don't want to talk about this while it's not a 
topic of conversation while it's not something we have to address. Yeah, getting um, Emmett Rice up to speed is about the only major thing, right? Well, and that's point. a big thing. If he, the sooner that can happen, the better, man. You want more options at linebacker. Uh, we've documented that they're lacking there, so you really would like to get a guy of his caliber back, a guy who gets it, who triggers, who understands the defense, is in the right spot, even if he's lacking in some areas. That's a, that's a, he's a complete linebacker in that way, and so it does. Uh, it is troubling that you know we don't have him just yet. But again, day in and day out, you hold your breath in camp. Camp updates, admittedly, get a little old, especially because you're not allowed to give certain updates and you can't get too in the weeds with specifics. Uh, and so, just per our access and the way things work, we we get great access, but there's a responsibility that is asked of us. So I can only go to a certain point and talk about certain things. Uh, I can give you my honest opinion about things, but I kind of can't get into the weed about depth charts and that sort of thing. It's just nice coming in here every day, not having to talk about injuries. That's a beautiful thing. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV.